0: According to my watch, it is time to begin. As uh, most of you know that I am not Don Blackwell, I am uh, much better looking than Don. Uh, you can tell him I said that. When your brothers, you're constantly picking, and since he's in the pulpit all the time, he's constantly jabbing at me, and I don't ever get an opportunity to jab back. So, so please tell him I said that. Uh, we do want to remember Don and Sherry as they were away. They were in a gospel meeting in Texas. We want to remember their efforts there, as well as their travel, as well as their travels. There are some other gospel meetings in the area as well. I know there's one at Pippin, and there's another one somewhere. We want to remember all of these efforts. Anytime our brothers are are preaching and trying to spread the gospel and strengthen the church, we want to remember all of them in our prayers. We are going to go to our Heavenly Father in a prayer before we begin, and then we're going to dig into tonight's topic. So let's bow together. Our Father in heaven, we are so very thankful that you have granted us another day here on this earth. We're thankful, Father, for each and every opportunity that we have to gather together as your people to open your word and to study your word and to hopefully strengthen ourselves and correct things that need to be corrected. We pray, Father, for all of our Bible class teachers at this time. We pray that you'd be with our youth as well as with our adults. Help us, Father, to always put you first, to put spiritual things first in our lives, to help us to prepare ourselves for an eternity after we leave this earth. We pray, Father, for all of our brethren who are having gospel meetings at this time. Uh, We pray that the efforts of those speakers will be profitable and will help to strengthen the congregations there. We're thankful, Father, for Jesus and for his willingness to die on the cross. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so pop quiz. This is going to be an easy quiz. But if you've been in here, Don has been teaching what topic? The book of Acts. All right, so we got the first question, right? So second question is, can somebody tell me what chapter we're in? Acts chapter 10. Very good. All right, so what we're going to do The next logical thing would be is to go back to Acts chapter 9. So that's what we're going to do tonight. So Don has been teaching Acts chapter 10. We're actually going to go back and we're going to focus on one verse in Acts chapter 9. So Acts chapter 9 and verse 26. Acts chapter 9 and verse 26. So can somebody tell me what happens in the book of Acts? Acts chapter 9 is known as? Okay, the conversion of Saul. So we see early on in this chapter, we see the conversion of Saul. When we get down to verse 20, we see immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. So he's preaching to these individuals and he's teaching them about Christ. Verse 21 Then all who were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem? So what's happening here is there are some people who hear him getting up and preaching about Christ, but they remember. Paul's history. They remember the reputation that Paul had gained there. Uh, verse 21 is he not he who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest. So what are they thinking? Okay. So Absolutely. So they're they're suspicious, right? They know the history of Paul. They hear Paul Paul teaching about Christ. There's some suspicion. What are his motives? And that's going to lead into the verse that we're really going to hone in tonight on. Uh, Verse 22, but Paul increased all the more in the strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this is Jesus the Christ. Uh, Verse 23, now after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. They're upset. Why are they upset? What is it? Okay, turncoat. Traitor. So here Paul is, he was on their side, he was persecuting Christians, and now all of a sudden we see that uh, he's, he's turned. He's no longer with them. Now he's teaching different things. Okay, So now let's hop down to verse 26. So this is the verse that we're really going to hone in on tonight. Acts chapter 9 and verse 26. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. So what we're going to do is we're going to take this verse and we're going to break it apart. So first thing that we see is is Saul was trying to do what? He was trying to join the people there. Now we understand that you cannot join the church. How do you get into the church? Baptism. So when we are baptized, we are baptized into the church. So who adds us to the church? God. God adds us to the church when we obey the gospel. Okay? We can look at Acts chapter 2 verse 41, verse 47. When we are baptized, God adds us to the church, the universal church. Is Is Saul here trying to join the universal church? No, that's not what he's trying to do. What is he trying to do? Yeah, local church. He's basically trying to place membership. That's how we would say it today. So here you see Saul trying to place membership. So let's ask the question, when somebody moves to the area and they want to be identified with a local congregation, why would you do that? What's the point behind that? Okay, accountability. Accountability, maybe um, I want to be identified with a congregation. If a congregation has elders, those elders are responsible for my soul. Imagine if you move to a congregation and you don't identify with a congregation. Maybe you visit different congregations and this goes on for years. Is there a problem with that? Yeah, that's not the way that God designed it. God designed it for us to be members at a congregation and for the elders to be able to look out for us, to make sure that we're fed properly, to make sure that we're protected. That's the role of the the eldership. Now, think about it like this too. Whenever I move to an area and I decide to identify with a local congregation, the congregation is made up of a variety of people. We all are members of the body, right? So I work in rehabilitation. Over the years, I've worked with a lot of people who have had strokes. After you've had a stroke, it can affect you in a lot of different ways. What I tend to focus on are more cognitive, visual, upper extremity functioning. After a stroke, if you've had a a pretty significant stroke and your arm's not working properly, does that affect your body? Yes, it affects your body a lot more than you realize. If your arm is weak, if you have limited movement in your arm, it affects your balance, it affects how you walk. Um, So you think about it from this perspective the smallest member of our body, when it's not working properly, it hinders the performance of our body. There's a direct parallel with the church. We are all members of the body. We all have different roles, we all have different functions, we all have different talents. Think about how if my arm is not working properly, it takes a toll on my body. The same thing can be true for us as a church. If I am not fulfilling my responsibilities, if I am not functioning properly as a member of the church, it's going to affect the body, correct? So think about when you when you yourself, when your body is in good condition. We're healthy, we're eating right, we're sleeping, we're dieting, we're we're drinking water. Our body is performing at an optimal level. Okay? What about the church? If each member is performing like they're supposed to, think about what that does for the body. Think about the benefit that the body has from that. Think about something as small as your tongue. Anybody know how long the average tongue is? 3.3 inches. That's pretty small. The weight of the tongue, 0.14 pounds. So think about in relationship to your body. You know, you think about the average person, uh, let's say the average man, 5 foot 10, 170 pounds, something like that. Something that weighs 0.14 pounds, something so small can do such great harm. Think about if the tongue is not working properly. So we see this a lot with strokes. If the tongue does not work properly, it affects our ability to speak. It affects our ability to chew food. It affects our ability to swallow. It affects a lot of different things. Something that small. So the same thing is true for us in the church. It might be that my function in the church is um, it's not. Uh, It's not on the the spotlight, like maybe the preacher or the elder. But my role, my function in the church is extremely important to the body of the church. right? And if you have comments, if you have questions, jump in. I'm not one of these teachers that, that likes to get up and lecture. So I like interaction. I like discussion. So feel free to just throw your hand up or comment. Do you know what happens when you've had an injury? when you've had a stroke, when you've had a brain injury, do you know what happens to the body? It doesn't work properly. So a lot of times, even in healthcare, we get so caught up in the physical side of things. You know, a person's having difficulty walking, they can't feed themselves, they can't write their name. But did you know that it takes a toll on you mentally, emotionally, psychologically? I could tell you countless stories of people who really, really struggle after a variety of injuries. Sure, it takes a toll on us physically, but there's more to it. The same thing is true in the church. Think about somebody who's struggling, you know, whether it's physically, whether it's spiritually, it's going to affect their function, their ability to perform. If each member is not able to perform properly, it affects the body, the body as a whole. Anybody ever heard the saying that 20% of the of people in the church do 80% of the work? Yeah, I think we've all heard that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just kind of something that we say, but there's a lot of truth behind it. And it's not willow. I mean, this is just worldwide. You have a small percentage of people that do most of the work. Imagine if we had 80% doing work. Imagine what we could do. So, my question tonight to you is what is your role? And you don't have to raise your hand, don't say anything, but what's your role here at Willow? If you're a member at Willow Avenue Church of Christ, what's your role and how are you performing? How active am I in the church? Do I show up when the doors are open? And outside of that, I have no communication with anyone, I have no interaction. Just just think about that for a second. There are many people in in this congregation, in this room tonight, who are constantly working here at this church. In the building, out of the building, constantly, constantly, constantly working. Things that you never see, they don't necessarily get the credit they deserve, but they're working really hard. So one of the things that happens with people who have had a stroke is Certain muscles are going to be stronger. Certain muscles are going to be weaker. So a lot of times what I see when somebody's had a stroke is maybe we're working on feeding ourselves, or we're working on, you know, lifting up an object. Well, some of the muscles don't work like they used to. So what they do is they compensate. So they're using muscles that they have. So their movement might look like this rather than like this. So what can happen over a period of time, those weaker muscles, they don't get used. What happens to those other muscles? They get worked. They get worked and they get tired. And sometimes we can develop different conditions, different issues because of overuse. Could that happen as a parallel to to the body of Christ here? Could it be that we have some people who are constantly working and they're working and they're working and maybe they're getting burnt out? Yeah, it could happen. It could be that we have um, some members that, that we're not performing like we should. And we have other members who they are they're having to carry the slack, and they're working extra hard, and maybe they get discouraged. Can you imagine that the eldership might get discouraged? Do you think it's possible for the eldership to get discouraged? Yeah. The things that they have to deal with? Remember, their role is to protect us. They're constantly dealing with things that we have no idea. We have no idea the parameters of the things they deal with. And a lot of times as members, all we want to do is criticize. I can't believe you changed the time to that. And I can't believe y'all picked that color carpet. The elders can get discouraged just like anyone else. Think the preachers could get discouraged? Yeah, same thing. You know, we come out and we fuss at Don or we fuss at Ben about, You know, you stepped on my toes. And and sometimes we, we say it joking, and sometimes we don't. But just as our bodies can become overused, members of the church can become overused. They can become burnt out. We have to be careful here. We want the church to be the best that it can be. What is the head of the church? Christ. Christ is the head of the church. If the body is not performing, who knows it? Christ. Christ knows when the body's performing properly. If you have a toothache, does somebody have to remind you that you have a toothache? No. Nobody has to say, hey, remember, you have a toothache. Don't forget you have a toothache. No, we don't have to do that. Christ is constantly in tune with what's going on. He knows how we're performing as a congregation. We just need to do some self-evaluation on a regular basis. Any thoughts, any questions? That's absolutely right. And I've got, to a certain extent, that same uh, train of thought in my notes. But it's, you know, does your if, you, if you're right-handed, does your non-dominant side, does your left hand ever get jealous to the right hand? You know, that right hand gets all the attention. It gets to do all the work. Every, it, that doesn't happen. Why do we do that as members of the body of Christ? Could, could a member of the church get jealous or get upset with another member? It happens. Remember, different members have different capabilities, and we're going to talk about talents here shortly in a few minutes, but, but that's absolutely true, is our bodies work together. Um, and hopefully I'm not going to bore you guys with rehab talk, but when you look, when you break down skills, so you break down handwriting or feeding yourself or picking up a glass, it's something that we take for granted. It's just a natural movement to pick up a glass and drink from it. I look at that as... I've got to get shoulder movement, I've got to get elbow, I've got to get the wrist, I have to have sensory input, um, I have to know how much pressure to put. There are a lot of things that go into that task, that simple thing that we do all day long every day without thinking about it. Um, as As a body, we have to make sure that we are performing efficiently. Sometimes we can be busy, but we're not really being efficient, we're not getting the benefit of the work that we're doing. It's like I have patients who they'll go home and they'll do exercises. They don't do them properly, so they're really not getting any benefit, but they're they're busy. They're doing things, and I have to remind them, you know, you have to do it properly. Same thing is true for the church. Uh, each of us need to contribute to make the body healthy, to make the body of Christ healthy. Uh, let me read you a quote here. Miss Floyd Crook recalls how great a truth was impressed upon her with special meaning. She writes, I came home from school one day crying because I had been given only a small part in the children's program, while my playmate got the leading role. After drying my tears, my mother took her watch and put it in my hand. What do you see, she asked. A gold face, a gold case, a face, two hands, I replied. Opening the back, she repeated the question, I told her I saw many tiny wheels. And she said, this watch would be useless without every part, even the ones you can hardly see. Right? And it kind of goes back to your point. And that is, is, we have some people who are maybe more in the spotlight than others. We have other people who are behind the scenes. But every part is crucial to the effectiveness of the body. Right? Um, and it, it takes... Harmony, those things not only have to work together, but there's harmony. We as members of the church, we have to work together. Without you know, the gossiping and the, and the backbiting and all of those things, we have to work together. We have to work as a team. Now we can talk about the, the, the fact that we all have different talents. I will be the first one to tell you that you do not want me to lead singing. You really don't. It, I have, I hopefully have other talents, but song leading is not one of them. We have other people whose song leading is their forte and they're good at it. And that's wonderful. We all need to make sure that we're living up to our talents. Imagine standing before God on the day of judgment and God says, you know, I blessed you with X, Y, Z talents. What did you do with them? And it might be, well, you know, I was a world renowned artist. You think that really means anything to God on the Day of Judgment? No. I think it's going to come down to how did you use your talents to benefit the church? That's our whole whole purpose here on this earth. Is to glorify God, to keep his commandments, to fear God, to help the congregation grow. That's why we're here. It's that simple. It goes back to the question that I asked a few moments ago, and that is, um, when you look at your, your week, how much of your week revolves around the church here? How much time do we spend um, interacting with one another or doing things to help the congregation here? On the Day of Judgment, we all have different talents. Not everybody's going to be a Bible class teacher. Not everybody's going to be a song leader, and I'm thankful for that. Some people are really good. What are some different talents? Let's let's open the floor like that. What are some different talents that people have? Teaching, okay. Preaching. Okay, leading in public worship. Encouraging. You know, encouraging is one of those that we don't really think that that's that's important. Encouraging goes a long way. Encouragement may be one of the most important things that a member here can do. I remember as a young kid, I was terrified of standing in front of people, terrified. And there were some people along the way who kind of encouraged me. And kind of nudged me to stand up and give a short devotional and things like that. And if it hadn't been for their encouragement, I honestly don't know if I would be standing in front of people today. Encouragement goes a long way. Don't ever, don't ever underestimate what a little bit of encouragement can do. We have some great people who are really, really good at encouraging, sending cards, just a, a, a polite, um, You know, thank you for what you're doing. When was the last time you went to one of the elders and just said, thank you, I really appreciate what you do? A little encouragement goes a long way. We can all write a note. We can all send a text. Encouragement goes a long way. What are some other things? Okay, so evangelism. Okay. Now, one of the things that we have to think about when we talk about evangelism is the Great Commission. So Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we are all commanded to teach. Now, to your point, um, maybe Brother A is a little better at at, that personal one-on-one Bible study. Maybe Brother B is very outgoing, and he's really good at getting people in the doors or setting up Bible studies, right? So we can all play a role in that. Use your talents. Use your talents to help the congregation grow. Um, Everybody in here has different talents. Everybody. Think about your own talent. You may be using your talent for your job, um, whatever, but are you using that same talent for the church? Can I somehow take my talent and help the congregation here at Willow grow to be a better congregation? So just think about that from a from a personal standpoint. You know, when uh, Rob Whitaker was here and he did our evangelism seminar, uh, one of the things that he said that's really, really important that I think many times we overlook is that everything we do, everything we do should be geared towards evangelism. We should never let an opportunity go by where we're not trying to be evangelistic. We can, we can all do better, and I, I, I know that I'm pointing at myself when I say this, but we need to look. There are opportunities around us on a daily basis that uh, sometimes we just glaze right over. Um, we need to tie things back to evangelism. Okay. Um, any other thoughts, comments before we proceed? Yes, sir. That's a great point. That is a good point. Uh, you may be sitting here and you may be thinking, what's my talent? I've often wondered that myself. I can't draw. I can't sing. What's my talent? Um, So, you know, usually I'll just try to encourage somebody, um, and hopefully that helps. But we do. We all have talents. It may be that I have to dig a little bit. I have to discover where my talents are. And the way that I might find out what my talents are is I try a variety of things. Um, And and by trying a variety of things, you'll, you'll kind of discover what you're good at. Absolutely. So cooking, you know, there are a lot of things that we don't necessarily look at as a talent. I am not a cook. That's another thing you can cross off my list. You don't want me cooking. If you get sick, um, I will get you food, but I will not make it for you. Okay. That's exactly right. So that's, that's, the, that's the, the crux of this lesson tonight. And that is, is that it takes every member. Every person is needed. You know, when, when somebody says, um, you know, we need to volunteer to clean the baptistry. Everybody starts looking down and uh, you know how that goes. There are some things that are more pleasant than others. But anybody know what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8? He said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. If there's a need, send me. May not be what I want to do. May not be the most popular thing, but send me. Here am I. How can I help, Lord? Sometimes we have to, back to Ronnie's um, point, sometimes we have to step up out of our our comfort zone. Sometimes we have to do things that um, are scary. You know, for the Lads to Leaders, they were talking about being strong and courageous. That's not for just young people. That's for us as well. You know, being courageous means you're doing something that's uncomfortable. Otherwise, it's not courage. The Tabernacle Sermon. That's that's exactly right. Um, I'm not going to be a guy in woods. I'm not going to be, and we could go on and we could list more and more names. I'm not going to be a Foy Wallace. I'm not going to be a lot of these people. But um, I can do something that helps. You know, you need to take the trash taken out. I can do that. Um, We can all play a role. We can all help the 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 body of Christ grow and operate and perform like it should. So. Back to verse 26. So we've, we've gotten through, I think, the first three words. So at this rate, it would take us a couple of weeks to finish the verse. So y'all thought Don was bad. I'm going to set a new record here. So verse 26, and when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. We talked about the importance of joining, placing membership at a congregation. We can understand that placing a membership means I am saying to the elders, I want to be a part of this congregation. I don't want to be on the roll. I want to be an effective working member of that congregation. That's what I want to be. Okay. Um, So imagine it's been three years since he was in Jerusalem. He had just escaped death when he was in Damascus. What do you think is going through Paul's mind or Saul's mind at this point? He's got people wanting to kill him. He's just escaped death. What do you think he's thinking? Yeah, so you'd have to think um, he might even be discouraged, right? Like, here I am, I'm, I'm trying to do what's right. I've been converted, and there are people trying to kill me for, for doing what I'm supposed to do, for preaching about Christ. Uh, that's got to be discouraging. Imagine as he approaches the wall. Yes, sir. That's true. That is true. Um, we always want to be around people who are like-minded. And that's, you know... I like to chase rabbits, which is why I don't uh, ever cover much material. But that's why we're told in the book of Hebrews that we are to assemble together. God didn't tell us to assemble together on the first day of the week just because it was something that um, it's a social club. We need to be around brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to be around people who are like-minded. We are constantly around people every day who uh, have some really strange thoughts and ideas. We need to be around people who understand the Bible is our authority. It's not my opinion that matters. It's the the Bible. So imagine as Saul is approaching the walls to Jerusalem. Do you think there might be some some butterflies in his stomach? Do you think it took some courage on his part to go back to his old stomping ground? Imagine what's going through his head. Imagine he he passes by and he sees the spot where Jesus was crucified. What's going through his head? Imagine maybe passing by where Stephen was stoned, where Saul was consenting to Stephen's death. Do you think this was hard for Saul? Yeah. I mean, this is... There's a lot to digest here, if you're Saul. There's a lot going through his head. Yeah, that's absolutely tied to what we're talking about. Um, I can have all the talent in the world, but if I don't initiate, if I don't use that talent, the body suffers. We have to have initiative, absolutely. Uh, So think about as he's back on those streets in Jerusalem, those same streets that he had been on many years before, imagine running into people that used to be in his camp, per se. Those people who used to help him and participate in uh, persecuting Christians. Do you think it's going to be awkward as he starts bumping into people that maybe he knows? And uh, he he no longer has that same mindset. Really, really challenging. Do you have a yeah? I think that's true, and I think even as members of the church today, I think it's kind of parallel. <clears throat> we think about things that we've done in our past. We, we think about <clears throat> before we were a Christian, maybe the lifestyle that we led, maybe things that we've done, and it, it, it hurts us. It, it constantly is on our mind. <clears throat> we have a choice. We can put those things behind us, and we can move forward like Paul did. Or we can let those things become a stumbling block and prevent us from ever um, fulfilling our role and, and being productive like we should. But um, you know we don't really think about we don't really think about the, our heroes in the Bible about them struggling or about them having to overcome fear. I would imagine this was very difficult for Paul to come back and see these places where he had a direct influence and a direct role in persecuting Christians. And now he here here is on the other side and he's looking back and he's got to be torn up inside. You know, why did I do that? He's kicking himself. Uh, what can I do to, to, to help the congregation? What can I do to help the church grow now? How can I convince some of my old peers to, uh, to think differently? How can I teach them the gospel? There's lots going into all of this. Uh, so, it shows us uh, the Christians in Jerusalem were a little bit reluctant to receive him, right? So he comes and he tries to join them, they're a little reluctant. Why are they reluctant? Okay, they know his past. Did did they have a right to be reluctant? Yes, absolutely. You have to think they didn't have Twitter, they didn't have Facebook, so the word didn't get around like it does today. So there may be people who had heard that he was converted, that he was now preaching for Christ. There were probably a lot of people who had not heard that he had been converted. Um, so think about the, the brethren there. Here you have Saul showing up. They know his history, and he's wanting to join them. What's this all about? Like. Uh, is this all a hoax? Is he going to come in and then he's going to persecute us? Like there's there's definitely some fear there. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. Um, fear is not always a bad thing. Fear is just telling us to to think through things, to to do some research. But but think about the role as, as an eldership. Anyone who comes into the building who says, all right, I want to be a part of this congregation. Should we let anybody off the street just come in and be a member of the congregation without any questions asked? No, that's dangerous. Why is that dangerous? False teachers. We don't know their past. So I know many, many, many congregations where they have elders and the elders always want to meet with individuals when they come and decide they want to join or or place membership at a congregation. And what the what the elders are doing is they're trying to sort out, they're trying to weed through all of that. How long have you been a Christian? What did you do to become a Christian? Uh, Are you in a scriptural marriage? You can go down the list. Um, Did you come from another congregation? Did you come and, know, did you cause problems over there? Now you're going to come up. They're asking questions. They're trying to protect the flock here. So, again, going back to how difficult it is for the eldership and for the things that they do, the things that they do that we have no idea about, they handle some really, really sticky and really, really difficult situations. Make sure you encourage these men. Uh, Okay. So I think Don's going to be back next Wednesday. If he's out again in the future, we might kind of pick up and carry on, but I appreciate your attention.